0: Good morning, listeners. I'm your host, Captain Righteous Speaking, and today's episode is the Marvel stories you have to read. Let's begin. Good morning. Uh, today is April 8th of 2022, and today's episode is about me discussing my favorite Marvel comic books and recommending to the listeners of the podcast. And again, I always say this in most episodes, I try not to be, um, not try to make the episode more long and try to cut down the tangents of course now first because it's not a list like from best to worst or worst to best um it's ten comic books um or marvel comics that is i personally love and hopefully the listeners will love now number one um old man logan now old man logan was written by mark miller and i want to say ooh 2008 i want to say if that's not the right year my apologies now, Old Man Logan takes place in a dystopian future where the title character, Wolverine, now known as Logan, is living his life as best he, as best as he can as a father and a farmer, while dealing with uh, well, the apoc- I won't say the apocalypse like a zombie apocalypse, but the world. Um, Old Man Logan takes place in. It's it's not the ideal place to live in. I will say that. Now, what makes this um story pretty cool is that. We see um well number one like it's old man Logan like in the comic books Wolverine of course we're still talking about um comic books but in the comic well, I just repeated myself three times didn't I? I'm sorry. Well in the mainline Marvel continuity, Wolverine, um, ooh, for age wise, I think he's older than Captain America. Now if I wanted to like if, if I can if I can like pinpoint his certain age, I might be wrong. He might be 300. And the reason why I say that, because, you know, it was noted that Wolverine fought in World War II, World War One, the Vietnam War. Uh, uh, I think he fought in the Civil War. I mean, he didn't fight the Revolutionary War. I do know he fought in a Civil War. He's been around, not too long, but he's been around in human history where he, I'm sure he remembers the 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 creation of the atom bomb, right, or the creation of television, or the first automobile. You know what I mean? Now, what makes the story interesting? Not because he looks old, is that like he actually aged? There are certain, of course, fictional characters that you know they actually can't age at all, or it takes them a while to age. Wolverine is those. It's one of those ones that gonna take him a while to age. Another thing about the story is that besides the action. It's very emotional, and it's not emotional where, you know, I bet every time you'll turn a page, you'll cry. Not really. It's just like you understand the psychology, and that's a good one. Excuse me. The psychology and, I guess, the death of Wolverine. It's not like, this is the only story that covers that. And, of course, not. What I'm saying is for this particular universe, because you have to understand the old man Logan universe it's still standing and didn't get destroyed from at least from my knowledge, but it's a good story if you're um, a Wolverine fan, of course. Now, um, if you're familiar with the movie Logan, of course, Old Man Logan, um, not features but inspires Logan in a way where you do you both have well both stories, of course, have a old disheveled Wolverine getting by and trying to like he, he's getting by but he's not like how he was in his let's say his prime in a sense where he didn't give a damn he's just off doing his thing because an old man logan you know well the comic book he's taking care of his family while in logan of course logan is taking care of professor x who has uh not amnesia but i think um Forgive me, not amnesia, it's um, Alzheimer's, I believe. If that's not the right uh, diagnosis, again, my apologies. Civil War, written by Mark Miller, and I think this was 05 I think. So, Civil War is, of course, different from Captain America Civil War, because, you know, both stories, they do revolve around the Superhero Registration Act, but both have their own different, like, start of why, you know, the act is created. Now, in the comic books, I'm going to talk strictly about the comic books. um, The comic book pretty much um, starts with a superhero team called, I believe, the New Warriors trying to take down a villain. And the villain had a power to create explosions. I think the villain actually destroyed himself. But anyways, this villain basically destroyed a, was it a town? Basically, he caused the deaths of a whole bunch of people, which caused the need for the Superhero Registration Act. Now the act is pretty much is that if you're a superhero street level or let's say um let's say cosmic like Captain Marvel like imagine Captain Marvel right like if you're street level to to like cosmic level you need to register as a a superhero to the United States and what that means is like if Sp- Spider-Man actually registered you know which was the dumbest decision in his life but anyways he actually registered and that means You know, they know who you are. They they know who's your family. It's like they basically know your personal information. So it's like, okay, it's something, you know, it is destroyed. Someone is killed. We can blame Spider-Man, a.k.a. Peter Parker, a.k.a. (laughs) I don't know any other aliases, aliases Peter Parker has, but we can blame you and have you accountable for it. If that make any sense. Excuse me. Um, what is the, Why is it different from Captain America Civil War? Which I love that movie, by the way. They're both different because of the scope. Now, Civil War was not... It's just the only, but it's one of the huge Marvel um, crossovers in history. Just like in the movie, but the movie is mostly like a Avengers thing. Because in the comic book, the Civil War uh, in, included the Fantastic Four, the Inhumans, I believe. Um, the X-Men. I said Fantastic Four, um, forgive me, because I do know uh, Civil War Part Two included the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is very interesting. Um, but basically, you have a whole bunch of Marvel, I'm sorry, the Defenders, the Invaders, like street level heroes was involved in the, um, and, and I guess you can call it, it was a Civil War, so the unrest. And, you know, the notable leaders, and, and, and for the comic books, of course, part of my stuttering, it was Captain America versus Iron Man. Now, in the comic books, it was Captain America, who else? Uh, I don't think Bucky was, I think Bucky was there, but Bucky, Falcon was there, um, Tony Stark was, of course, you know, Iron Man was against Captain America. This is the whole inspiration for the movie, but what I mean is Captain America, Reed Richards, you know, Mr. Fantastic, of course, and then Hank Pym. Now again, with the um, Civil War movie, of course we were introduced by Hank Pym and Ant-Man, which came out 2015, a year before Civil War. So ideally, he could have been part. He could have been like pro Tony Stark, but still. With that being said, I hope I, um, I highly recommend you read the comic books because it's weird because like you get the whole main event itself, but then you get like certain tie-ins because I think there's a Remember correctly, if I say anything ridiculous, there is a Spider-Man tie-in, I believe. It's like a, certain, like a tie-in in combos, and it's a small tangent, but it's important. So a tie-in to an event is like, okay, imagine there's an Avengers story where the Avengers is fighting, let's say, Galactus. I don't know why, but they're fighting Galactus. But a tie-in is about like, okay, but where was Hulk when the Avengers was fighting Galactus? Or... Where was Captain America where the Avengers fighting in Galactus? Now, I will be frank. Nine times out of ten, the tie-in might not connect to the actual story because it could be Captain America thinking about retiring or something, you know? But then again, it will always loop back into the main um, event. Excuse me. What's next is number three, Spider-Man Craven's Last Hunt, written by J.M. DeMan. Demantis, and forgive me if I butcher his name. Now, the dope thing about this story is, I think this is the first story, or maybe something's before this, or this is it, where Spider-Man is wearing the symbiote suit. Now, the history between Spider-Man and Venom goes back, I want to say, maybe late 80s, early 90s. Now, I will say this, this is a, a small tangent, but it's a trivia. I don't know who was the original artist for the Spider-Man symbiote suit, because it was actually a contest... For you know, comic fans like, hey guys, um, this is Marvel. Hey guys, we're giving you a shot. You know, we're creating a new Spider-Man suit, and we just wanted to see what you guys can come up with. And uh, I'm not familiar with the gentleman who created the the actual Venom suit, because originally the Venom suit was supposed to be black and red. Which I ain't gonna lie, because you compare the original design to the design, well, we all know Spider-Man, the black and red goes hard. I don't know why, but it really goes hard in my opinion, but anyways, um, yeah. So this is a period in time where Spider-Man was wearing the, the, the Venom symbiote, and the Venom symbiote, um, increases the user's aggressiveness. Now, I will say this nowadays, not a spoiler, of course, um, uh, with the current Venom stories, it does that, but the controllers, it, it has more use. Like, if I had the Venom symbiote, and I know, obviously, it's not real, because it'd be scary as hell, but... Okay, Venom could be like eat him, rip his bones out or something scary and violent. I'm sorry I can't I can't do the voice properly. But no um but no um like Venom could be the aggressor, but it's like you can also say, "No, we don't have to do that. We can do something less violent," which is not fun for Venom, but you still have more control with him. Now back then it's like, you know, I don't want to do it, and the symbiote will make you do something bad. Probably kill somebody, but, again, sorry. But with Spider-Man uh Kraven's Last Hunt, the story pretty much is a um, battle between Spider-Man, you know, Peter Parker, of course, OG Spider-Man, versus Kraven the Hunter. Now, if you don't know who Kraven the Hunter is, because this is relevant, of course. Right now, Sony is planning or is in production of a of a craven movie and it's starring um uh Aaron Taylor Johnson. If you're not familiar with him, uh he played Quicksilver in the MCU and he played uh kick ass and kick ass movies of course. Now shout out to him. Of course that's a good actor. I wish him all the love and respect he deserves. But it's not him. My my point is going towards Sony. Now okay today um Well, of course it's the 8th, but the last time uh, I dropped an episode was April the 1st, you know, April Fool's Day, ha ha ha. But that's actually the release of Morbius. Now, from now, sorry, from now and then, um, I've been hearing some mixed things about Morbius. Now, Morbius, from what I can gather, I know who the character is. He's the living vampire, who is a frequent Spider-Man villain. However, there are stories where he's more of an anti-hero, okay? Now, I'm not against the idea of Sony, okay, maybe not doing Spider-Man movies, which I know they're going to do across the Spider-Verse. I get it. I'm not against it. I love Spider-Verse. Really dope movie, right? But no, it's just, I'm all for it. I'm all for them experimenting. Now, with that being said, I haven't seen Morbius yet. I, of course, I haven't seen Craven um yet because they're still making it, but you know, I, let me explain who the character is and and why I feel what I, like how I feel about him getting a movie. So Craven is one of Spider Man's deadliest um villains, of course, because Craven is a expert huntsman. He can smell. He has heightened senses. He's uh he's deadly at hand to hand combat, and I want to say he's slightly unpredictable in the sense where Cra- like Craven his whole thing is for the hunt. You know what I mean? Like if depending on the listeners, um, if we're if you're a gamer, and I, I'm talking to the, the the person who's listening to it right now, man, woman, non-binary, whatever you want to identify, if you're a, a huge gamer, oh yeah, you know, Darius, I can beat you in uh, a Mortal Kombat. I can beat you in this. I can beat you in Smash. Which let's let's run it. All right, let's run it. You know, but it's about that drive that the same way you you get to the gym hopefully you get to the gym i should go to the gym more frequently but that same drive he he well you have it's like him but times 100 because it's excessive you see what i'm saying now in this story i'm not going to spoil it cuz i bought this i actually bought the story myself was um october cuz i already i read it before but i got my own personal comic but i will say it is full warning the story is dark. I'll say that, and it deals with suicide. Okay. Now, I highly recommend you check it out if you're if you can handle certain subjects like that. If not, hey, uh, that's just a recommendation on my part. Okay. But anyways, um, about the Craven movie, and I know I promise no tangent, but here's what I'm gonna say. I haven't seen Morbius. That is that that I will say. I might like Morbius. Okay. Now, in the same breath, this is not Marvel. This is DC. They released Joker. I actually watched Joker in um, in 2020 during the uh, lockdown. Let me tell you this. I actually enjoyed that movie. The movie is well-written, well-directed, excuse me, and it's just the overall feeling of the movie, it feels good to me. Not in the way of that, like, chaos is good, but it's like, this is... Just the Joker, like he he he's he's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like part of my stuttering, of course, but I feel like the movie um captured the character correctly. That's my opinion. Now that's just DC doing stuff because they, like, and that's another discussion. I'll shut up about. I'm gonna keep it strictly to Morbius and definitely Craven. Now, if Morbius, and I like I say it's like a bit mixed. If it does well for me, okay. Maybe we could see a sequel in the future, and maybe Sony can explore more with other Spider-Man villains. Which is weird because you have to understand, like with just like with Joker, like but the way that movie is set up, like it's not like the, Bruce Wayne's in the movie. He's not grown man Bruce Wayne. He's just kid Bruce Wayne. This is way before Batman, so that makes sense. They can get away with that. I understand that, you know, but still. Uh, with that being said, I'll give that movie a shot, but that movie don't come out till at least 2023 from, from what I know. Uh, my number four is Spider-Man Spider-Shadow, and I actually bought this in November or October of last year. And basically, you know, like the last entry is Spider-Man in the Venom suit. Now, this is a what if story. Now, if you're not familiar with what if stories from Marvel, um, what if stories is pretty much either... The craziest um, situation you could think of or the silliest situation you could think of. Now, a good example of craziest is... um, Craziest what if story? What if Dr. Doom became the Sorcerer Supreme? Now, the Sorcerer Supreme is the title of Dr. Strange. Dr. Strange, Sorcerer... Sorcerer, I can't say Sorcerer Supreme. I'm sorry. Dr. Strange, Sorcerer Supreme... Now that's a good what-if story. A silly but good what-if story is what if, uh, or maybe it's canon, because I think it's a what-if story. But what if um, Deadpool had the Venom symbiote, which is very interesting. Now, with that being said, Spider-Man: Spider-Man Shadow is a what-if story where Spider-Man didn't get rid of the Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man didn't get rid of the symbiote, the Venom symbiote. In fact, instead of getting rid of the, the Venom symbiote, the Venom symbiote turns Spider-Man into a monster—not the monster that, I like, eats people. Like, he's a monster that kills people. I'm not gonna tell you who you kill, but let me tell you this: like, it, like this story should be called Spider-Man Savage, because he, he was on some savage shit. Like that, it, it's like. Like, I, I when I say I love Spider-Man, and I don't want him to be that because that's not who he is. But he was on, like, the savagery was on an all-time 10 in his um entire story. But also, within the story, where you get to see how much the Venom symbiote um impacts, you know, of course, Spider-Man's, you know, relationship with his loved ones. Like uh, Gwen, uh, not Gwen Stacy, God, good lord, I'm sorry, Mary Jane. Uh, yeah, Mary Jane, J. Jonah Jameson, Aunt May, uh, I think, was was um Harry Osborn in this? I don't think Harry Osborn was in this story. But basically, we get to see, you know, the rise and the fall and the rise again, I can't explain to you how, of Peter Parker as Spider-Man, but mostly, you know, as Venom. See, he's still Spider-Man, but, you know. I will say this, the art in the story is pretty good and the, the design of of, of his Venom um, symbiote is good, because don't get me wrong, I mentioned this with Craven's um, Last Hunt, um, is that, like, you know, it's very simple, and I can't really describe it, because he you know, is basically it's all black with the white, um, big Spider-Man logo on his chest, but it's something different with his eyes, so it's like, I guess it's supposed to be more sinister, but I like the... I mean, of course, it's a different version of the symbiote costume he wears. But for this version, is like very, very, um, it's very hostile, I'll say that. But the look of it is very cool. So what's next is Fantastic Four. I'm sorry, Spider-Man um, Spider-Shadow was written by Chip Zdarsky. Excuse me, if I said his name correctly. If I didn't say um, correctly, I apologize. So what's next is Fantastic Four Life Story, which I had the pleasure of reading this. Through Comicsology, and I'm gonna go buy myself my um my heart my I think it's like a hardboard my hard book copy or paperback. And it was written by Chip Zdarsky, the same person who wrote uh, Spider-Man, um, spider Shadow. Now, Fantastic Four Life Story takes place in the '60s, where the, um not the show, I'm sorry, where the characters was actually introduced, like '62, I think. Because Fantastic Four, like, there is, they are a superhero team in Marvel, but they're not just a team, they're actually more of a family. But they were introduced in 62, so the combo pick up at least 1961 or 62 during the uh, John F. Kennedy um, uh, 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 administration, of course. And it goes all the way from the 60s to, I think, either the 2020s or at least the 2010s. Um... You get to see the life and times of the Fantastic Four from where they get their powers and where they are now in the modern era. And When I mean the modern era, ideally like nowadays, you know what I mean? And you get to see characters uh, age up and, and, and explore and go do different things and stuff. And this is, again, of course, me not um, spoiling anything for anyone, of course. I will say this. Um, it's not just like a specific, you know, Fantastic Four story that doesn't feature anyone else because I do know Iron Man make a few um nah, I do know cuz I've read it. But Iron Man makes a few um uh uh cameos here and there, Captain America. As a matter of fact, every moment of the Fantastic Four um of their um publication history is not just mentioned, but it's in, it's in showcase. Like for example, when Sue and Reed Richards got married, you know, uh, I think Spider Man was there. But Spider Man, Captain America, Iron Man, like I want to say most of the, let's say most of the Marvel heroes shown up for their marriage. Of course, um, the art is good, the writing's good. Um, what I love about um, uh, I love Spider Man, but um, uh, Fantastic Four life stories that um. Forgive me, I is itchy. What I love about the story is that you get that same feeling you got you can get from any other Fantastic Four story, but it's it's like it's you're condensing all their history not in one. it, It is, I'm stuttering, good lord, it is in one story, but it's broken up in different decades to see at what parts they hit their paths. And yes, it's all the Fantastic Four. But it's like, what's Reed feeling? What's Sue Storm... is Well, Reed... R- Sue's Richard, it, R- Sue Richards is feeling. Because, you know, she was known as Sue Storm. Then she got married and she became uh, Sue Richards. How does Johnny feel? How does Ben feel? And, of course, you know, um, they have their son, Franklin Richards. Because let me tell you this. I love the story. I kind of wish that... um, Because, you know, in, a, in the main continuity, of course... Reed Richards and Sue Storm have two children, Franklin Richards, the, uh, the, re- the reality manipulator, and um, Valeria Richards. I think she has the same abilities as her mom, but I do know she is very smart, super smart, in fact. Um, I highly recommend you check out Fantastic Four, and if you're not familiar with Fan- the Fantastic Four, I think this is a perfect story to get into because they cover their origins, they cover the personalities well, and they cover what makes each of the characters dope. Moving on, uh, Hawkeye, written by Matt Fraction. Now, let me tell you this: if you have a a, a Disney Plus account, and this is not, I'm not getting paid by Disney Plus, I promise you that I highly recommend you check out Hawkeye. I think it's a really good show, and it and it it shows. How dope Hawkeye is without the Avengers. Now, if you don't really care about Hawkeye, that's fair. I highly recommend you read the comic book. Because don't get me wrong. Like, some people would argue that the show is better than the comic book. Or the comic book is better than the show. But to me, I love both. Because I actually had the pleasure of checking out Hawkeye. the, The comic book, that is. And the difference between the show and the comic book is that, of course, you know, in the main continuity of the Marvel comic books... Uh, Hawkeye, he has family. I do know his mom and his his dad are dead. I do know that, and I do know he has a, um a brother that he occasionally sees every now and then. I don't know if his brother's a villain, but he does have a brother. Um, in the comic books, I do know um Hawkeye and Kate Bishop become partners. Not soon, because you have to understand. Um, not Hawkeye, but Kate Bishop as Hawkeye. She took up the name while Hawkeye was off. I'm th- I no, I don't think he was dead. He was off somewhere else. And when it came time for her to meet the actual Hawkeye, it's kind of like, oh, I'm sorry, I was just using your name because you know I was trying to use it as a tribute to you. Like, not like the show because the show takes well. The show takes its liberty because um, and it's and I don't want to, cause you don't want to put. Like, I love the show, I love the comic book, but the glaring difference between Hawkeye the show and Hawkeye the comic book is that Hawkeye, you know, Clint Barton has his family, Hawkeye, the show of course takes place during the Christmas holiday, while the comic book is just, I don't think it takes place in a, like a, a, a specific holiday, I guess it's just like any time, you know what I mean, like it it, it can happen... It can happen over the summer, or it can happen in the fall, and it wouldn't matter. But, you know, how do I say this, just like with the show, they introduced pizza, the pizza dog, and it's not like a dog made out of pizza. Like they named the dog Pizza because the dog really loved pizza. And Kate Bishop, and Kate Bishop compared to the comic books and, and how she is in the show, like the comic books, like yes, she still is, um, like a new. Upcoming hero, but it's like she's more grounded. While in the show, Haley Steinfeld, let me say this: she did a good job in the role. But you know, compared to her character in the comic book, she's a little bit like in the comic book. She's grounded. In the show, she's still trying to, you know, find her place, which is a good thing, of course. Um, the writing's good. The art style is good, which they mimic the art style in the, uh, in the show. Especially in the, in the opening credits and the end credits. And you know it's dumb because um, when we when, when I watched the entire series they didn't really give. Because you know whenever they do a movie it's always thank you to the writer. Thank you to the artists who of course made the story which the movie and or the TV show is based off of. But I don't think they gave um, especially the artists who drew the um, story um, their um, well deserved credit uh, what was that? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, so one, two, three, four, five, 6 okay. Uh, Hawkeye was number six. Number seven is X-Men, the Dark Phoenix. Now, let me tell you this. I'm sorry, the Dark Phoenix saga. Now, if you're a fan of X-Men, um, like I am, one of the best writers who wrote for X-Men is Chris Claremont. Now, Chris Claremont wrote a story called Dark Phoenix, and Dark Phoenix is pretty much, uh, the story where Jean Grey, Um, of of course, you have the X-Men, she became possessed by the Dark Phoenix. The Dark, oh, I'm sorry, the Phoenix Force is a cosmic force in the Marvel Universe that can, can possess its user to amplify their powers, you know, because ideally, and I'm being fair, ideally, it doesn't have to be Jean Grey, because Jean Grey is a telepath, you know, it could be strength, it could be speed, like, if you, it's like, I feel like, um... The Phoenix Force is like, and forgive me, my analogy is always bad. It's like, I don't want to say it's like hot sauce. No, it's like, it's a certain spice to it. You know, if you, let's say if you were like cooking chicken and you're eating chicken and it's a little bland. It's like, um, I can't give you a good seasoning I use, but like a seasoning where it's like, you know what? It was bland before, but with this seasoning, it tastes a lot better. That's what it feels like because You know, and this will extend to another entry in the list because, um, let's, I don't want to spoil it, but I'll get to it. But anyways, you know, it's a good construction and deconstruction of the character of Jean Grey. Now, Jean Grey is one of Marvel's, in my opinion, one of her, not of her, excuse me—of one of Marvel's top dopest female characters they have ever created slash written. Only because of that power scale Jean Grey has. And it's the fact that it's one of those things where, you know, in alter reality, and yeah, that happens where she still uses that power to hurt people. But in this story, it's like the best way I can describe the story is like X-Men meeting exorcist and not in a bad way, in a sense where in those movies, on some of the exorcist movies, it's always a family member trying to save their wife, their husband or somebody from possession from a demon and yes you know infection demons are known to be powerful not saying the phoenix forks is demonic in nature but it's like it's always some great unnatural force that we can't properly like you can't you can't put the phoenix force in a jar and put it on the shelf you, you just can't do that. All that power containing that one vessel is gonna explode is gonna cause massive cosmic damage of course. Now this is me of course avoiding spoilers but throughout the whole story the X-men were taxed with they were taxed to either of course save Jean gray and or I, I can't motion this through audio but like you know take her out and I can't spoil what happened but I highly reckon man you check it out if you're a fan of X-Men and definitely a fan of Gene Gray. What's next is, I said, 7, number 8, Deadpool, The Good, The Bad, and Ugly. Now, good uh, sorry Deadpool, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly was written by uh, Brian Pawson. I don't want to mess up his name. If I messed up his name, I apologize. Brian Pawson. I'm sorry. Jerry And Jerry Dugan, of course. There was two writers on it. It was pretty much a story about Deadpool finding his missing family. And it introduced, sorry, not introduces, but it includes Captain America and um, Wolverine. Now, of course, avoiding spoilers, this is a story where you get like the sillier side of Deadpool, but you do get the sad clown. And what I mean about sad clown is that, you know, excuse me, the thing is about Deadpool, let me explain about Deadpool and who's Deadpool. Deadpool is a character who is a mercenary who can regenerate and who is a badass with hand to hand combat. Weapons expert and overall goofball. And what I mean by goofball is, let me tell you this. You already know this, and to the person who didn't know who Deadpool is, well, I hope I teach you properly. Of course, Deadpool is the type of character where if you introduce him, let's say you introduce, because he was an Avenger. Funny enough, he 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 was actually an Avenger. Um, like you could bring, you could put him in the Avengers. You could put him in um. The X-Men, like um X-Force, of course. Any team you put him in, he will always be the funny guy. He will either be the funny guy with this person or that person. But he's always the goofball. Now, not saying it in, in a way I hate Deadpool. Because there are people, I will give him credit. Because there are people who don't like Deadpool because of well, how he is. You know? He will steps on... You know, if it was the movie, he'll step on screen, say something inappropriate, leave, and blah blah blah. But this story gives Deadpool more range in the sense where he can be that guy, but dot dot dot. He can he can show emotion. He can be vulnerable. Deadpool can cry. Like he can cry. Any trust me, you can be Wolverine and cry. Like you could be a really tough person and still cry. Crying is natural. You know. I don't want to spoil it, but I will say you get like. Like, the bang for your buck when it comes to the writing, to the art, the action, and more motion, okay? And definitely, you will see another side, Deadpool. Uh, you, you won't regret it. Uh, What's next is number, um, Deadpool was eight. So, number nine was Avengers vs. Angstman. Now, this was written by Brian Michael Bennis, Matt Fraction, Jason Aaron, Ed Brubaker, and plus uh Jonathan Hickman. All dope writers, especially Jonathan Hickman. So I mentioned this with the Dark Phoenix saga, and this is the um, this is a a a movie not movie. I wish it was. This is a story that deals with the Avengers and the X Men coming in conflict over. um, What was it? It was a, a little girl, and the little girl has a power to either I think either warp reality or destroy. Basically, Avengers was trying to take this little girl, not kill the kid. They wasn't trying to do that. They was trying to. At least get get her to their side, so they can run tests to see well how to not. I can't really describe without spoiling it, but nonetheless, the Avengers and the X Men came in conflict. Now, one of the best things about the X Men versus uh, I'm sorry, the Avengers versus the X Men story, because you know one could argue that like all this could been solved by like them just sitting down and discussing what they should do moving forward. But it's one of those things in comics where it's like, I want to see the Hulk. The, I want to see the Hulk fight Wolverine. And I'm not making fun of the listeners or I guess myself. Because, you know, we grow up. I want to see, see Batman fight Superman. Batman can be Superman. I've seen that. It was in the cartoons. Like, as a kid, yes, you do want to see a fictional character versus a fictional character. And it doesn't have to be a Marvel or DC thing. You can You can cross lines. I want to see Hulk versus Superman. I want to see Doomsday versus Hulk. I want to see Deathstroke versus Deadpool. I want to see Batman fight Moon Knight. You Like, literally, all the um, crossovers I literally just mentioned is that, like, it, you don't have to be a hardcore comic book nerd. I've been reading comics for, like, ten plus years or whatever. You don't have to be that. You can still show interest in seeing one of your favorite characters going head-to-head with each other. Like, for example, if you don't think this that was crazy, I got a better one for you. Hold them to your seats. I want to see, right... Harley Quinn versus Deadpool. And the reason why I say that is because those two have certain similarities. Minus on like what they can do and what they're capable of is that they both look good in black and red. Deadpool looks good in black and red, and so does Harley Quinn, right? They both are mentally unstable people with weapons. Let's let's be state. let's let's keep it real. Deadpool, hey, he does and says a lot of questionable things. Come on now, same thing with Harley Quinn. And also, low-key. I'm being dead-ass. And that's what I love about both of the characters. That yes, they are silly. They do silly things. But at the same time, they're human. You know what I mean? They, they, they can be vulnerable. Like, they can they can show emotion. And definitely, um... Um... What's I'm looking for? They're... Like... They're markable, if that makes sense. Like, if I can walk down the street with a Harley Quinn shirt... People will know... People will know who that is. And they know who like where to connect her to you know harley quinn dc comic books suicide squad the birds of prey blah 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 deadpool marvel the x-men blah blah blah, fox you see what i'm saying um but yeah one of the best um battles in this story was between namor the submariner and black panther I and i i i I, I talked about this uh i think in a few episodes before about the the beef between Namor the Submariner and Black Panther, but I, it's let me tell you this: this story is so good, in my opinion. If you like to see, you know, your favorite superheroes fighting, I recommend you check out Avengers versus X Men, and definitely Civil War to to you know, bring that back in. Lastly, on my list is Captain America: The Winter Soldier, written by Ed Brubaker. And this is a story that influenced, of course, Captain America: The Winter Soldier, the movie, which I saw that on my birthday. I saw that it was like, ooh, that was probably like Friday of 2014, I believe. But anyways, um, it was April 4th. I, you know, my birthday's April 4th, and I watched it. And let me tell you this: one of like one of my absolute favorite MCU movies. And, Of course, I love Infinity War, Endgame, Black Panther, uh, Shang Chi, The Legend of the Ten Rings. But nah man, I, I don't care. Captain America The Winter Soldier is one of my favorite NC movies because that whew, oh my god. That, that was a good ass movie. But anyways, um without that without this comic book, that movie wouldn't exist pretty much. So this is the comic book that, that brought back Winter Soldier. It brought back Winter Soldier and also brought back um Red Skull because the story takes off it starts off with Captain America investigating. Um excuse me an assassin named the winter soldier now of course we all know the winter soldier is ooh back is killing me N- not that i'm sorry we all know that the winter soldier is known as you know bucky barnes bucky you know captain america's best friend now the dope thing about the story is that no one knew who the winter soldier is he could have been like an easily throwaway character like like if i wrote a batman story and i got this villain called the bubblegum brad I don't know, just just hear me out. So it's a it's a woman who uses bubblegum as a weapon. I don't know, right? Let's let's just have fun with it. And little did we know she was like I I, I don't know, like I, I I but you know what I'm saying, like someone with a dope identity and we expect not 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 suspect, but yeah, we suspect um the someone like the, the least person if that make any sense because you know Bucky and again before Captain America figure out who that was he been dead like he, he was already dead since well the 1940s since World War Two but to reintroduce him especially in that story because the story involved Red Skull and the uh, not Tesseract was it the Cosmic yeah the Cosmic Cube so yeah the story was a lot deeper now compared to the movie they were both good but um, the story, not the story, but yeah, I'd much rather read the comic book. Both good things. You know, we you can you still have, you can still enjoy two dope things at the same time, you know. Um, to moving on, um, to the final aspects of the episode. Because again, I didn't want to make it too long. So, why do I recommend these stories? Now, out of all of them, um, they all have good action. They all have good emotional moments. And they all really do connect to the characters. Now, to my villain and hero. Like now, to briefly talk about uh, Spider-Man, Spider-Shadow, which yes, it's a, a it's a Peter Parker, Well, it's a Spider-Man story involving the Venom symbiote. Is that like we get to see, and not like in a good way, because yeah, it's it's done in a good way, but it's a tragic way where, you know, Peter Parker, you know, the quippy Spider-Man, you know, he swings in, says a joke, punch in the face, save the day, and leave, right? We get that, but we get to see a darker, edgier version of him where it's like, and again, of course, like I feel like most of the heroes that have ever exist in Marvel and DC, like Robin, like, I know why Robin, of all people, Darius, like, Robin can show up, the Joker could be robbing the bank, and he'd be like, oh my god, we just threw you in Arkham, would you just sit down for one second, where's the Batman, and like, you know, Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, Tim Drake, Damian Wayne, any Robin will just like beat the living shit out of him. Yes, I'm not saying his Joker is very unpredictable because he killed one of the Robins. But what I'm saying is like, you, the, we all get tired. I bet they get, I bet Zuckers get tired. Like, it's going to be a point where Robin just walks up and just like, like kneecaps uh, Joker with a with a wrench or something. You know, he, like there's no dialogue. He walk up to him. Oh, boy, wonder, what are you doing? Bow right in the knee and just like watch him suffer like and i know that's dark but i'm just saying like this is like like this story is a good example of a hero number one pushed too far and number two like it shows how far like how far um a a great superhero can fall pretty much as another thing too um i had this bouncing around my mind cuz I figured, you know, of course, the Captain Righteous podcast, and I did this in last week's episodes that I, I want to talk about, and I'm still pushing more for scientific episodes that I'm interested in, and more, you know, nerdy stuff where it's like, you know, what there's, what Marvel or, or comic books you like to read, you know, I think I did that before, I think I said like, Deadly Class, which I might I might do something with like I review each volume in each episode, because I got at least um, ten vol. I'm sorry, that's that that's um image, but. You know, still. Um Needless to say, uh, I highly recommend you check all of them out, especially if you're, because if you're if you're into action, um, by all means, like you'll love Civil War and definitely Avengers um, versus X Men. But if you um here for good storytelling, Old Man Logan, Civil War, Kraven's Last Hut, Spider Man, Spider Shadow, Fantastic Four, Life Story, Hawkeye, especially because Hawkeye and again like the show, Hawkeye proves that. Um, Clint Bart could be a badass by himself, okay? And most definitely, X Men Dark Phoenix. There are a few X Men stories. and I'm saying this as an X Men fan, and of course, as a Marvel fan. It's like I get it, cause it'd be like you know, Charles Xavier was hurt, and, and next you know, Cable, cause you know, Cable. Um, he's the uh, well, he's he's a, a mutant from the future, and he's um, uh, Cyclops. You know, Scott Summers is a uh, son from the future, but it be something like that oh oh damn that's crazy they go back in time and blah 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 then it's just like the best thing i can describe not all x men stories cuz i'm being fair with certain x men stories oh it's simple it's it's still simple okay it just got complicated i don't know what's happening right now in a good way then it became the becomes a bad way and then it ends and it's like what the hell did I just read? And then I have to reread it again. Oh, oh, cause, oh, wait, but you see, what I'm saying because you know when the story ends, and I not it don't have to be comic books. It could just be anything else, like like fantasy, like Game of Thrones, or whatever. And it's like once it ends, okay, so this person did this, thus this will happen. Then blah blah blah, end of the story. Okay, there's always some time travel. This person was a clone, and I get it. You go, well, that's what comics do, and it's like, no, they do that, but sometimes it, it don't make sense. Okay, that's why I didn't recommend the uh, Spider-Man the Clone Saga story because like the Clone Saga was originally supposed to take place within I think six or ten issues, like a very short run. They didn't extend to like two years. Stop. Like, what are you on? Like, like, like you must be on meth. Not, not not talking about the listener, of course, but you mean to tell me you're going to excuse me, have a very short story and extend it by two? That, that's fine. I, I'm not going to read it. As a matter of fact, Miles Morales had his own clone saga and it was much better than the one they wrote for Peter Parker. I'll say that. Of course, with that being said, uh, thank you for listening to, to the Captain Righteous Podcast. And again, I ranted, I raved, I tangent. I had some tangents in this episode, and again, um, hopefully it wasn't too distracting, of course. I hope I gave you all the tools you need to go out and buy these books. Of course, support the writers and artists of these books, and who knows? You might be a fan of Civil War, or you might be a fan of Old Man Logan, but what it does matter is that you're you're at least enjoying it in your own leisure, if that makes sense. And even you're not a Marvel fan, cause you know you can say personally like DC. You can um, read Deadpool: The Good, The Bad, and Ugly, and still feel you know what Captain Righteous. He's a silly guy. <laughs> he's a silly guy. I'm sorry, but no. Um, say what you want. Deadpool: The Good, and the Bad, the Ugly was actually interesting. and I appreciate him. I don't, I don't want the credit but i'm just saying like at least um be inspired to read more marvel stories at the end of the day but of course with that being said i have been your host captain righteous um of course welcome to the captain righteous podcast um if you got any more questions comments or concerns please uh dm me on instagram at captain underscore underscore righteous my twitter is underscore c righteous uh, if you got an idea for an episode or if you got any more comic book ideas like not well of course ideas but like comic book story recommendations of course hit me up hey actually you need to read The Incredible Hulk okay you need to read Captain Marvel okay you need to read Guardians of the Galaxy I'm catching up but okay still don't be afraid to hit me up give me a shout or anything uh this is Captain Righteous of course signing out peace